This episode is made possible by our friends at Bold, Shopify's largest app developer. They have some amazing apps that do cool stuff on your Shopify store, like allow you to sell subscriptions, memberships with exclusive site access, upsell offers, wholesale pricing, daily deals, loyalty points, product bundles, and so much more. And good news, they have an offer for our listeners to get any of their apps free for two months by going to e-commerce-bootcamp.com bold. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Unofficial Shopify Podcast. If you don't know me, I'm Kurt Elster, Shopify expert, author of e-commerce bootcamp, and everyday carry enthusiast. And today we're talking with Jake Starr of RecycledFirefighter.com. Thanks for joining us, Jake. Yeah, happy to be here. Wonderful. So tell me, what uh, what is Recycled Firefighter? Um, so I make everyday carry gear. I make wallets, belts, bags out of recycled and decommissioned fire hose. I also do some some wallets out of U.S. combat boot leather. I've been doing it for probably probably three years now. So I've seen your products. Um, they're definitely, yeah, like the the everyday carry crowd, which if you haven't experienced it, I don't know, how would you define the everyday carry crowd? Man, they're, they're kind of a crazy bunch. Like a lot of guys are gun enthusiasts and knife enthusiasts, but really instead of just um, the everyday carry crowd started with like the ultimate just perfect everyday carry like knife wallet some guys carry guns or you know phone case so it's kind of like the perfect um everyday carry ensemble my but, i think my definition of it is like if you have ever thought to yourself what would be the ideal knife and flashlight to carry then yeah. you are you already know what it is you're in that <laughs> everyday carry crowd yeah and it's know? turned into just like the perfect knife and flashlight like what you said into like sets of stuff. So guys pretty much have like, say, seven days straight of different combinations of everyday carry gear. So it's like, it's it's really a big business now. It's gotten crazy. And a lot of what's driving it is is social media, is Instagram, because it's people sharing mm-hmm. like, okay, here's my ideal combo for, and they like have various scenarios and situations. Like, mm-hmm. this is my going to the office everyday carry. This is my work, like... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's fun, and it's got this weird. There's almost like a, a voyeuristic aspect of it, where it's like, okay, this is the stuff someone carries every day and has meaning to them. Maybe there's something to that, and it very quickly becomes like product discovery. Yeah, I think, um, especially with Instagram, because the knives and the wallets are so easy to take really good photos of, that uh, the the everyday carry community has really grown on Instagram because. Um, you know, with some of the the different Instagram apps, like photo editing apps, some of the guys are just taking really phenomenal pictures, and it just took off um, on Instagram specifically. Yeah, yeah, for sure, that's part of it. Like, if you're right, if I've got a cool knife, so I've got my my Benchmade folder. Mm-hmm. You know, hold on, we can hear it click. And uh, <laughs> you know, if, like it's hard to take a bad picture, you know, of of some cool tactical gear. Um, and you're right, Instagram for sure is is where is what's driving that. Um, so how did you start? Well, and actually, you know, I should say I do. I have several of the the recycled firefighter products, um, and weirdly, the one I get the most use out of is the notebook cover. That like oh, would really? be my last guess that that's the one, you know, beforehand <laughs> that that's the thing I get the most like use and joy out of. But yeah, this this notebook cover is the thing I like the most. Yeah, that was kind of a surprise because um, you know I carry wallets and stuff, but I never carried a notebook. And I started carrying the little three inch by five inch uh, field notes. It's just a little paper. 
I think there's like 45 pages in it, just a blank notepad. And I noticed carrying it in my back pocket that it was it was kind of crunching up. So I made this little notebook cover out of fire hose and started carrying a pen and taking notes. Because a lot of times as an entrepreneur, you know, you're writing notes in your phone. And you, you It just doesn't feel the same as writing with a pen and paper. Absolutely. So I, so I started carrying that and actually jotting some stuff down and kind of writing, drawing some stuff out that's just kind of hard to do on your phone and really... Um, that was one of my best sellers last year. Um, it's called the Inspector Field Notes cover. So yeah, I think that makes it. You're right. That does make a lot of. In retrospect, that makes a lot of sense because I love. You know, I, I used to carry Moleskine, and then they're too bulky. I switched to Field mm-hmm. Notes because they're th- simple and thin. But then the nasty part about it, like, yeah, they very. You could tell the one like that I'm currently using to write in because it's like bent, <laughs> and it's just they get trashed quickly. Um, but they're simple and cheap, and I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so now when I throw it in my bag, I use one of your covers with it. That's awesome. So how did you get started with Recycled Firefighter? So I've been a full-time firefighter for about 12 years now. And I think three or four years ago, um, my chief was throwing away some fire hose in the dumpster. So I, I went up to his office and I said, you know, can I have a couple of sections of, sections of these fire hoses? And he said, sure. And and uh, I made an iPad case out of it because it was this <laughs> old nasty rubber rubber fire hose. So I made an iPad case out of it and started an Etsy store because I noticed some guys were were interested around the firehouse and buying some of the stuff. So I started an Etsy store and then um, started making some iPhone cases cases and some other stuff, and it really just kind of took off. Um, so I switched from Etsy just to Shopify about two years ago and really have been doing it full-time since then. And I think there's a lot, like, as far as brand building goes, if you unpack that idea, if you just say, like, I'm making, I'm a fireman and I'm making stuff out of recycled fire, fo- fire hose, if you start unpacking that, there's, like, so much in there. You know, like, there's this implication that, like, yeah, it's upcycling, which is cool, so I could feel good about it. Um, the stuff's very reasonably priced, so that's mm-hmm. that's excellent. Um, but you as a full-time firefighter saying, hey, I'm selling this stuff, you know, and especially, I don't know if it's true everywhere, but in this country, you know, firefighters have, um, are seen as heroes. So it's almost like if I buy this thing from you, it rubs off on me. Yeah. Yeah. I think and there I may think, be a little bit of that in there. And then there's and the, think, that story and that journey. I think the story is good. And one of, one of the really key things that I found out was, um, there was a study done a few years ago that the top, I think top three most trusted, um, public servants are like the number one is a doctor and number two is a firefighter. So like the public just trusts firefighters. So I think that trust going into my business, a lot of people just trusted me that I am a firefighter and, make, and I'm making stuff out of fire hose. So it, it kind of took off from that aspect that they were w- more willing to buy from me because um, they trusted me. That's a great point. And I think a lot of, you know, that's really what good marketing is about is, is can you build trust with someone? Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, it, between a brand and a customer, it's relationship building. I love that idea. You don't sell an iPad case now, man. That's like, I, that's already a thing I want. It's a recycled <laughs> fire hose iPad case. Get on that. What's going on here? Yeah, I've got, I've got a ton of ideas, man. Like I have a little shop in my garage and where I make a lot of this stuff. And I have like thousands of just prototypes and failed stuff. I mean, who knows? You, you should hear the list of stuff that I've made out of fire hose. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the great things um, that separates you is you've got that brand story, that authenticity, um, but passion. You know, you, you're making the stuff yourself and that make you know, it's exciting and you're trying new things. Um, and that comes through. I think a lot of people, 
I think what separates a lot of people, you know, they get into e-commerce and they're like, well, I just want to sell. I know I just want to sell online because it makes money. Well, those people rarely succeed. The people who say, well, I'm passionate about making this thing. And also, if people want to buy it, that's cool. Those are the people that end up being really successful. You know, yeah, I, I think you're in that camp. And I think that passion really, you know, the wallets were really fun making, you know, like I would make a batch of 50 or 100 starting out. But when you're cranking out like a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand of these one at a time, it's not fun. So you have to like kind of you have to lean on that passion um, heavily when you're when the work is just, you know, 10, 16 hour days. Um, And that's definitely kept me going for sure. Yeah. So that's a good that brings me to my next question. You know, how did you scale your business and what problems did you run into? Because you're right. If you're you know, I'm selling 10 wallets on Etsy is a lot different than, you know, doing the volume monthly consistently that you're doing on Shopify. Yeah, so scaling scaling was was kind of something that I was fearful of. So because Firehose only comes mainly in one color, so I was like, well, there's just one color. So originally what I did was I started finding um, different color um, fire hoses and offering um, more more just variant colors um, so that I could sell like guys that were collecting wallets. So it kind of scaled in that way. Um, and then on top of that, I just started pushing Facebook ads and scaling, um, scaling through that. But more so than that, I realized that I couldn't sell all these products myself, you know, like as it scaled up through my marketing and sales were growing, I need, needed to find a manufacturer. So I had to outsource some of the stuff here to a manufacturer here in, in America. And was that, you know, for someone who's been spent the whole time making everything themselves by hand, was that hard to do? Was it scary to let go? Yeah. So it, it's kind of been, I'm still letting go. I'm still making a lot of the stuff, but they've taken um, a lot of the burden off of me. Um, at first, I, I tried to do it in-house where I would have, um, you know, some friends or family members. I was trying to teach them how to sew and it's just, it was taking forever and that I realized that trying to get somebody that didn't know how to sew or just somebody locally to the amount of, or to the level of, um, like to make the wallets really nice, the quality just wasn't going to be there. So, so getting, getting a manufacturer here in America was huge and let, letting them do it really, um, it wasn't that big of a deal for me because I was so stressed out. I just knew I couldn't keep up. Right. Um, so as, as long as the, you know, the, the product looked awesome, um, you know, and the, and the price was right. I was, I was definitely fine with it. <laughs> so it sounds like, you know, you, well, and I think a lot of people run into that where you start feeling like a victim of your own success. Um, so in with growing, one of the problems you run into, and this goes back to, you know, you're saying people, um, there's some inherent trust in being a firefighter, um, which obviously helped building your brand. But as you grow and going forward, the thing to keep that trust going and building it is customer service. So have you had, you know, are there any um, lessons or problems you've run into with with customer service as your brand grows? Um, you know, the old adage, 80%, um, you know, good customers and 20% bad customers, they take up, you know, 80% of your time. It's definitely true. I've found it's not quite 20% bad customers. I think um, I've been lucky that um, a lot of the guys that that buy from me are fire, you know, fellow firefighters and first responders and military. So I think they appreciate what I do, and they don't really. Um, I think I attract better customers because of that. Um, but really, a lot of times, um, 
like when when I have a problem customer, I'll try to respond nicely and try and try and figure the you know the problem out um, right away instead of kind of waiting on an email or you know keeping them happy is definitely something that I've found that that helps helps a lot um, as well as just really fast shipping time. Um, we have a, ful- a fulfillment center, so really a lot of times items ship the same day. So that really helps a ton of the the customer service, like where's my order, when's my order shipping, because, you know, they'll order it and they'll get an order confirmation later that day. So Yeah, and plus, you know, doing the a fulfillment house, that's probably the first place most people go to save themselves a whole ton of time, you know, once they start mm-hmm. feeling the, the constraints and pressure of trying to do everything themselves. Um, so one of the – you said an interesting thing about um, – a lot of your customers are first responders because they relate mm-hmm. to you. I would almost view that as you is like that being your niche, um, you know, and where you found your tribe. Do you think it's important to speak directly to that, you know, those people? And then it's sort of, you know, everything else kind of works itself out when you've got that clear message and positioning. Yeah. So I kind of struggled originally um, if I should try and go broader and reach a broader audience than just drill down to the first responder audience. And I found um, it's actually better to focus in on like a smaller audience, a smaller niche audience than try and meet everybody. Um, so I think since they relate, the first responders relate to the fire hose and what I'm doing, it's a whole lot easier to reach those customers. Um, one of a funny story, like um, I did a, a large, um, it's called FDIC as the fire to, Fire Department International Convention um, up in Indy this year. So I had a booth there and I was selling some wallets and all the old time firefighters were walking by and going like they just didn't like my stuff and I thought I would just sell out there. So I realized that, you know, these guys that have worked 20, 30 year careers that have been around fire hose their whole career, it's not that new of a concept. Like it's just a new, it's just an old material to them. So they just weren't that interested in it. So I, I think the story, it, like for a non-first responder, um, it's cool for them to connect to that material and connect to the first responder and see a fire hose and, and feel it like in person. Um, so I have marketed to them because it is kind of, it is a cool material for them because they don't, you know, load fire hose every shift and it's not kind of the same old material to them, you know. I agree. Yeah, it's sort of one of those things like, you know, if you work in a restaurant, you never want to eat in that restaurant, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, for me seeing, you know, when you see the this, you know, the heavy material, the canvas and it's got some of the print on there, it's cool. It tells a story in itself and it mm. definitely like it's a conversation starter. You know, where people are like, "Oh, what is that?" and then you tell them and it's cool. Um, so what do you think has been um well, you know what? It's definitely it is very cool because in doing a, a quick bit of googling, I discovered there are copycats. Does that are you worried about that? Does it frighten you? Uh, initially, I was worried about copycats, and, and I do have a couple pending patents. Um, and I realized there's so many different products that I could that I could do that it would just cost an arm and a leg to try and patent every single one of these products. So I went um, with a different strategy. I, I went with the brand building strategy with good customer service. Um, so inevitably there's going to be somebody that's going to copy you. Um, is it going to be as good? Hopefully not. And, and is their customer service going to be as good as yours? You know, hopefully not. So I think keeping, keeping my, my quality super high and my customer service super high, um, I'm going to keep those, those um, customers coming back um, for repeat orders. That's kind of been the route that I've gone. 
Yeah, you're extending that that um, you know that lifetime value for you. You know, by keep getting people to do repeat purchases. But more importantly, you found by making a great product, coming out with new products, you're extending the value for the customer, and you've got to always have that two way street, um, mm-hmm. which I think you've you've absolutely nailed. Um, all right, so let's you know we've got uh, closing in on the the end here, but let's move into a couple you know practical things for people. Um, who may be listening and looking to grow their own business. Um, what have you been some of your, your most effective sales channels, do you think? Um, it's kind of hard to, to quantitate um, with actual numbers, but I think Instagram has really um, blown up my business. The, the number one um, marketing channel for me has been Instagram. Um, last year I started marketing, actually in late 2014, I started marketing on Instagram and I was growing about a thousand followers a week. And right now I think I'm about 56,000 and that, that has really just seen my sales. Um, I mean, probably quadruple, um, once it's, once it hit my Instagram hit about 10,000 sales really, really started taking off. So that was probably the number one thing. Um, you know, the game changer at first, obviously Facebook ads, um, have been good and then email marketing. So I do the Clavio email marketing and retargeting, and that is probably about 25%, um, of my revenue just through email marketing. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, no, that's impressive. Um, and I would say, you know, having looked through the numbers, having seen them myself, I, myself, I would totally agree with all of that, um. And I think from experience, we know if you have, if you're doing apparel, accessories, um, apparel, yeah, apparel or accessories, and I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head, stuff that just photographs well. Like, it's mm-hmm. hard to take a picture of a, you know, if you have some cool tactical gear, which is what a, what a lot of everyday carry kind of falls under. It's hard to take a bad photo of it. Like, it just always looks cool. So mm-hmm. stuff like that really speaks to Instagram. Um and does very well there. And I've seen, you know, the stuff you post on Instagram. It's cool. You've like, I don't know who's doing it, if it's you, but it's great photography. Yeah, um, it's all me. I think um, if I had a tip for somebody, I would, the main app that I use to edit a lot of my photos is called Snapseed. I um, it's, also it's, have Snapseed. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, yeah it's one of the, the better apps that I use. And um, I use a DSLR too a lot of times. Um, and just edited and, and posted. But yeah, that's been one of the biggest game changers just for editing the photos and making them look, um, look good on Instagram. And a lot of guys have the same style now. They've copied that same kind of Snapseed, um, you know, edit style. Um, but yeah, it has kind about, of a, like a grittier, grungier feel to it, but it looks at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, it, it looks polished and put together. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely, I've been doing all my own Instagram, so that's all me, man. <laughs> well, it's good. I mean, like seeing it, you know, I when I see something and I think to myself, like, I couldn't do that better myself, you know, that that feels good. It looks good. I liked it. Um, and I would agree for growing, especially like grassroots, Instagram is such a great channel. Um, so what was the, is there any strategy there beyond like, you know, just post post cool shit and tag it? Like, <laughs> is it really that simple? Um, man, I think I've, I've been lucky because I do have a unique product. So it is beyond just taking, you know, a cool picture and posting it. Um, because you see a lot of other guys posting stuff like knives that haven't grown as fast as I've grown because other guys were there first. So I think being first to market 
has been huge as well. You do have that first mover advantage for sure. Yeah, and people relate to it. So it's kind of, you know, I've got the recycled theme, so a lot of the green sort of, you know, save the planet guys like it. And I have the firefighter aspect, and then I have the everyday carry first to market sort of thing. So it's like, man, it's kind of this three hit combo. Well, then on top of that, if you get an individual products like slim wallets, you know, have been a very hot thing for a while. um, And you're doing a slim wallet. um, Yeah, I mean, you're right. You have, I wouldn't necessarily say you got lucky because you did that. I don't want to undermine the effort um, or you in any way. But there's like, yeah, I mean, the, it's like the stars aligned with whatever your idea was for exactly the reasons you stated. Yeah, I realized that because I did switch from the iPad cases and I was making duffel bags and other stuff. And I did see kind of it sounds like you, whole... you moved physically smaller. Yeah, because I realized, well, a fire hose is only certain length. So there's just some bigger items that would just take so much material that I knew with a limited resource, I just couldn't make thousands of giant duffel bags. So I was like, okay, I need to make a small item. What is it going to be? And it just, you know, it just happened to be a wallet and, you know, it wasn't luck, but I definitely, I mean, I probably made a couple hundred of these wallets before I settled on this design. So it was a lot of hard work, but it, it was kind of, I think, a little bit of luck, you know, involved in the in the beginning phase for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think a, I want you, I, I still want you to give yourself a pat on the back. I don't want you to, you know, it's easy to after the fact be like, well, it worked out that way because it worked out the way. But no, I mean, you're still the one, um, you know, you're a solopreneur, you're the one who made it happen. And I think, you know, a lot of people would just, would trade places with you. So, you know, reflect on that. Enjoy it. Enjoy your success. Um <laughs> All right, but you know, closing in at the end of the episode, is there any um, tip, single piece of advice, one thing, maybe something you did differently, but something you'd want you know someone just starting out to know? Yeah, I think the one tip that I would have, because I was working a lot of times 72 hours at the firehouse, and then I was sewing for 40, 50 hours on top of that oh my God. per week. You, well, so, you have quite the worth work ethic. I yeah. couldn't do that. So I think... You know, they say passion really drives you, and I think that's one of the key aspects. So passion and hard work. Um, you know, a lot of guys are just scared to really grind it out for for a long time. You know, like it's really easy to outsource something and have somebody else do the work. Um, so I, when I was in the garage sewing 40, 50 hours a week, it's like, you know, I wanted to quit. And, and that hard work ethic um, really had to kick in. So I think just having a passion is part of it but really a strong work ethic with an entrepreneur spirit um is probably the number one tip that you kind of need to have to do an e-commerce business man talk about brand story like that is you combine that with being a firefighter and you have may you may as well just have embodied like the the today's american dream <laughs> really yeah. and i think like maybe that's part of the story maybe that's that's one of the things people are relating to yeah, it's definitely, it's it's a cool American story. You know, I didn't start out wanting to sell, you know, a gazillion wallets. I just started out trying to make a really solid product. And I think some of the best businesses started out that way. You know, if you start out just with money on the brain, a lot of times, you know, if that's your main motivation, you know, it can fall apart eventually um, when that kind of doesn't happen or when it's, you know, the money's not coming in. But my main motivation was to make like a really solid product. So, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, I want, for sure, I want people to make money. I want people to get rich. Why not? Um, 
But at the same time, like, yeah, if that's the only, if that's your sole motivating factor, either you're going to burn out, you know, you're not going to be happy. Um, You know, it's one of those chicken and egg problems. It's like, you got to be, if you're not happy with the money you have now, you're not going to be happy with a ton of money. But at the (laughs) same time, like, why not, you know, try and get rich? Yeah, yeah. man, that's uh, all kinds of good stuff in here. I'm glad I did this. Okay, so where could people go to, to find out more about you and see what you're up to? So if you want to see my website, it's just recycledfirefighter.com. And I do a ton of marketing and just really good pictures on Instagram, which is just at recycledfirefighter. Um, so check out both of those and check out a wallet. Send me, send me an email. My email is on my website as well. So. All right. So if people have questions, they can email you. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah sign up. Check out um, for sure. Check out his his Instagram um, and see what you could do with with Snapseed, um, which is Snapseed free. I don't remember. I've had it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's free. It should, well, I don't know if they've char- started charging it, but it was free when I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Snapseed. Um, fantastic photo editing app. Um, if you're just doing stuff on your phone. Okay. So to our listeners, however this audio made it into your ears, you could find out more about it at unofficialshopfypodcast.com. And if you'd like to be notified whenever a new episode goes live, you could sign up for my newsletter at curdelster.com, and I'll shoot you an email whenever we post a new episode. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.